Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Praise God. Well, I'm so glad that you're here today. Hallelujah. It is a good day to worship Jesus. Can we have some house lights, please? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, I'm so glad you came today, praise God, and I uh, just want to welcome you. And if you are with us for the very first time at Word of Life, I want to say thank you for coming today. Thank you for joining with us, praise God. And uh, uh, let me just ask you to do one thing for me, if you would, please. Uh, in the back of the seat in front of you, there is a card. It says, Welcome to Word of Life. If you would fill that out for us. We would appreciate it, and then we're going to receive tithes and offerings here in just a few moments. And when we do, if you would drop that card then in the offering bucket, uh, we just want to get to know you and know who you are and say thank you for being with us today. Thank you for coming and being a part. Praise God. And then I want to cordially invite you to prayerfully consider, if you don't have a place where you're plugged in and receiving the Word of God and, and being... Um, having an opportunity to uh, be connected and be involved, then uh, I want to cordially invite you to become a regular part of what's going on here at Word of Life. Praise God. We think you'll like it. Praise God. And if you're joining us online, uh, if you're in the local area, thank you for joining us online, but we would love to see you here in our congregation. Praise God. So come on out. And, and join us and be with us. We're here every morning, every Sunday morning, not every morning, but every Sunday morning we're here at 10 o'clock and uh, uh, worshiping the Lord together and, and ministering the Word of God. Praise God. So come and be a part uh, of, of our congregation of people here. It is a good thing to be connected with the people of God. Praise God. And, uh, but wherever you happen to be joining us from around the world, we thank you for joining us today. Praise God. Praise God. And I want to share just a couple of things with you before we um, get into the Word this morning. First of all, we want to receive our tithes and offerings. And um, in Luke chapter 12... We find this, it says, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, in that verse right there, we see the Father's heart. You see, part of what it means to be a father is to be a giver. And our Father God is a giver. 
And, uh, you know, in, in uh, Paul's writings to the Corinthians, he said this. He said, God loves a cheerful giver. Now, why does he love a cheerful giver? Because he is a giver, and when you are a cheerful giver, you look like him. And you see, when, uh, you know, he, he, Paul tells us, he said, don't give grudgingly or of necessity. In other words, don't give because somebody's twisting your arm to give, but give because you are a cheerful giver. Now, there are people who give that are not givers. There are people who, you know, have you ever met somebody who, who gave, but yet they griped about giving? They, they gave, but they, and now, if somebody's going to gripe about giving, why would they give? You know, well, somehow, maybe it made them feel better to give, or maybe they thought they had to give, that they were being required to give. But, you see, God loves a cheerful giver because, notice what he said there, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He takes great pleasure in giving. And so that's why he said he loves a cheerful giver, one who, is, who, who looks like him, one who takes pleasure in their giving. And, you know, you, uh, so just because a person gives something doesn't mean they're a giver. But a giver enjoys giving. You, you can... You can uh, Give grudgingly, you can give because you think you're required to give, or you can give out of a joyful heart and a heart that loves to give just like your father's heart. Praise God. He loves to give. Praise God. And so uh, the Apostle Paul goes on in that passage and he says that God is able to make all grace abound towards you, all favor abound towards you. That you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Praise God. Praise God. So that's what you expect then as a result of, of your giving. Praise God. Not only that, but then the provision is made for the house of God. The provision is made for, for the ministry of the gospel. Praise God. And... Um, you know, last week I asked you to uh, to give towards uh, our uh, legacy internship, uh, uh, James and Hannah and Albert Ornelas uh, going to the Philippines, and uh, you responded to that, and I want to thank you for that. And uh, uh, go on to our Word of Life website, and I posted on there... Um, videos of them actually ministering in the Philippines, which last night was, uh, was Sunday morning for them there. And so go on and, and see what they're doing. And, and uh, the camp has not started yet, but they were in one of the local churches there in, in uh, Bulacan. And uh, uh, so go on and watch that. But praise God, let's lift one hand together and let's say this. Say, Father, I thank you for the privilege of giving to you. I thank you that as I give, it is given to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, 
running over, and I'll have to give again. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, praise God. You can give, uh, by the way, by going to our website and clicking the Donate tab. You can go to the app and, and donate there. You can text your giving to 84321 and designate their, you know, tithes and offerings or whatever you want to designate that for. Praise God. And um, if you just send it, we'll take that to be tithes and offerings. And uh, so anyway, uh, you can do that. And also, um, as we're doing that, let me just make mention that uh, in about two and a half weeks, I will be heading to the Philippines again. And uh, so, you know, I would appreciate your prayers for that and, and anybody that wants to, to become involved with that in a financial way, you can do that as well. Praise God. And uh, so we'll be going there and doing some uh uh, conferences, and uh, I, I don't know the full schedule as of yet, but uh, but anyway, I know it's going to be good, and uh, going to be going to um, a new area that I haven't been in before, and so looking forward to that. But uh, in the meantime, we have some exciting things happening right here at Word of Life. First thing is. Friday evening, Good Friday, we are having a Good Friday worship service right here. Just a time when we are going to, to worship the Lord together. And um, so anyway, that begins at 7 p.m. this coming Friday evening, Good Friday. Now, we've got a whole bunch of these cards out there. You can take these and use them to invite your friends. That's what they're for. Praise God. So just take as many of them as you can uh, can give out. Praise God. And, and, and then give those out to your friends and, and family and relatives. And, uh, you know, I believe we can pack the house this weekend. Praise God. And then on Saturday, we also have cards for Saturday. Um, and that is our annual egg hunt. And we are doing this at uh, Troy Young Park on San Jose Boulevard. And it will be from, uh, it will begin at 11 o'clock um, this coming Saturday. And uh, so check with Alberta Farmer and ask her how you can help to get ready for that. We've got lots of, of eggs that need to be stuffed with candy. And uh, so you can, uh, you can help do that. And then we need lots of people to be there to serve that day. And uh, so check with Alberta Farmer after church and, and ask her, what can you do to help? Now, one thing that I do know you can do is you can, uh, you can bring candy. We need a lot of candy. And... Uh, then we also need people to, uh, let's see, we, the card says we've got uh, over 12,000 eggs. So every one of those eggs has to have a piece of candy in it. And so the candy does, you, we, we can't just dump it in a tub and shake it up 
And, you know, I wish we could do it that way, but it doesn't work. Um, but anyway, uh, you, can, you can come and, uh, and help stuff eggs. Sarah's been working on that already. And uh, you got a bunch of them done, right? You got a thousand done? All by herself. Yes. And so uh, I don't think she can do them all by herself. But uh, she needs your help. Praise God. And then, true to fashion, we have yet another card. Praise God. And um, this card is just about our Easter weekend. And we're going to come Sunday morning, a week from today, and we are going to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ together. Praise God. So take all three of these cards. You can, you can make a, uh, you know, a three-for-one deal and, and hand them to someone and, and, and invite someone to all three events. Praise God. But, uh, uh, but take these, you know, these cards, um, it, it looks cool to have them laying on the table out in the foyer. But if they're laying on the table out there, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And so take them and pass those out. Uh, and praise God, uh, be in prayer with me. You know, one, one thing we pray for our services is that not one person would leave here without knowing Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And so we want to pray that over these cards. We want to believe God that for, for people to be drawn by the Spirit of God, not just to church, but drawn to Jesus, praise God. Had the had the privilege last night um, of leading someone to the Lord, and I tell you what, if you haven't ever done it, give it a try. You'll you'll get hooked, and uh, uh, praise God. Hallelujah. With that in mind, we have our bridge class ready to be dismissed. Praise God. We began a series of messages last week that is going to lead up to uh, Easter Sunday. And so we'll continue that today. But the, the series of messages is simply called, uh, It is Finished. And um, the subtitle on this last week was The Fall. It's important for us to know about the fall. You know, if we, if we don't know about the fall, we don't know we need to be redeemed. If we don't know that, uh, uh, that sin entered the world, and then, then we don't know what we need to be redeemed from. This is why the scripture says in 1 John chapter 1, verse number 9, says that if we say we have no sin... We lie and the truth is not in us, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, what he's saying there, he, he is talking about that we have to acknowledge. See, if I say I have no sin, I'm essentially saying I don't need a Savior. But if I say that I have sinned, then the Savior has come to save me. Praise God. And he says that he, he is faithful and just 
He is justified in forgiving you of your sin. Why is he justified in doing that? Because, you know, uh, he already paid for your sin. So therefore, he is justified in forgiving you. Praise God. And so um, we're going to begin talking today about the plan. It is finished, the plan. What was God's plan? And then next week, we'll be talking about the victory. The fall, the plan, how God was going to deal with it, and the victory. Praise God. We believe in preaching the good news because that's what Jesus told us to do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, which is good news. And so if we don't preach uh, Jesus, the resurrected Christ who died in our place and paid for our sins and then rose again victoriously, praise God, then we, if we leave any part of that out, we haven't really preached the gospel. And so, you know, we, we have to get to the resurrection part. We have to get to the part where it is finished, where, where it has been done. We're not looking for him to do something. We are looking to what he already did. You know, many times we're trying to get God to do things that he already did. And, uh, you know, he's not going to do them again. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans in the 10th chapter of Romans. He said that, uh, uh, you know, you don't, faith doesn't speak like this. Faith doesn't say who will ascend into heaven to bring Christ down from above. Why not? Because he already came down from above. Faith doesn't say, well, who's going to descend into the abyss to bring Christ up from the dead? Why does it not say that? It doesn't say that because faith believes that he has already been raised from the dead. And we're not looking for him to do something. We are responding to him. That's what faith is. You know, faith is not how we get God to respond to us. God already acted on our behalf before we were ever born. Praise God, before the foundation of the world, in the mind of God, Jesus was already crucified. Praise God. And so, um, you know, we're not trying to get God to respond to us, but by our faith, we are responding to Him. We're responding to what He did. We're responding and saying, God, I believe this is a finished work. I believe what you did for me in Christ. Hallelujah. I believe he paid for my sins. I believe he rose victoriously from the dead. I believe that. That's why if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. See, we've got to believe that God raised him from the dead and we have to acknowledge that he is Lord. Praise God. And when you do that, praise God, then the Bible says you are saved. Praise God. And so faith responds to what God has done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I, I like to say it this way, that if God wanted to do it, you see, you're never going to talk God into doing anything. If he wanted to do it, he already did it. Praise God. The work is finished. You know, if he wanted to do it, he already did it, and he did it in Christ. See, God doesn't, doesn't wake up every morning and decide, well, what am I going to do today? No. What he did, 
he already did in Christ, and the work is a finished work. We have, it, it is rest time now, praise God. And the Bible says that uh, we labor to enter into his rest. Now, what does he mean by laboring to enter into his rest? He means that, you know, you look at what he has done, you look at what he has achieved and what he has rested from, and when you do that, then you enter into the fact that God is finished and you rest in that. You stop trying to get him to do something. You stop trying to get him to respond to you. You stop getting trying to get him to respond to your needs and you simply rest in the fact that it is finished, that he's already done it. Praise God. Praise God. Revelation chapter 13, verse number 8. It says this, All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Notice he calls him the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. So in other words, you know, why would we be approaching a God who in his mind Jesus was already slain before the foundation of the world? So in other words, people ask the question, well, did God know that Adam was going to eat of that, the, the, uh, of that infamous apple, you know? Did, did God know that he was going to do that? Well, apparently, because in his mind, Jesus was already slain from the foundation of the world. So why would Jesus be slain from the foundation of the world if God didn't know he was going to need to be slain? Well, he did know. He knew that Adam was going to eat of that fruit, and therefore... Before there was ever a need, he already responded. Praise God. So before you were ever born, before, there was, before you ever committed a sin, before you ever took a breath, before you were ever a twinkle in your daddy's eye, God already responded to what he knew you would need. Praise God. Praise God. You know, and I, I, I shared with you, I, I, I've said this many times, but we need to get a hold of this. We need to grasp this, that um, the reason that God put the tree in the middle of the garden that he knew eating the fruit of that was going to produce the fall why did he go ahead and put the tree there? It is because of what God wanted when he created you and I. He wanted children in his image and likeness. Praise God. And if you had no power of choice, you would not really, truly be in his image and likeness. So he had to give you choice. Now, and when you begin to understand that and you begin to think of that, you realize that wasn't a mistake to put the tree in the, in the garden and, 
and tell Adam, don't eat of it. It wasn't a mistake, and it wasn't that God messed up. He had a plan, and it was a good plan. And I'm telling you, it, it is better the way it worked. It, you know, we said, well, it would have been wonderful if Adam would have never eaten of that fruit. You know, the fact is that you would not be, if the fruit had not existed, if that tree had not existed, you would not be in the image and likeness of God. You would not be a child of God. You would not have the anointing of the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you. Praise God. You see, we look at things and we think, oh, that's bad. But if we understand what it's all about, it's really good. Praise God. You know, I am, I am thankful that God did things the way that he did. God didn't make a mistake. Praise God. Praise God. But because he knew what Adam was going to do, he went ahead and made provision for that. Hallelujah. He made provision for that in the mind of God. He had already made up his mind, already decided what he was going to do about it. Praise God. He knew that Adam was going to fall, and he knew that, we, that the offspring of Adam was going to be uh, thrown into a state of, of being lost, born into sin. He knew about that, but you see, he was unwilling to leave you there. He was unwilling to leave you there. He is not willing, the scripture says, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is not willing that any should perish. He was not willing to leave you in that condition. Praise God. In John chapter 5, verse number 19. It says this, Then Jesus answered and he said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the son, of, the son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. So no, notice this. If Jesus, if he was unwilling, if the, well, Jesus and, and uh, you know God the Word and God the Father were both in this together. They were both unwilling to leave you in the condition you were in. Jesus went to the cross willingly. You know, they, they, they didn't take his life. He laid his life down. Praise God. Nobody could take his life. Um, so here's the thing. If Jesus said it or did it, it's because the Father said it or did it first. Jesus, Jesus said this. Notice what he said. 
The Son can do nothing of Himself, but what He sees the Father do, for whatever He does, the Son does in like manner. So He had seen that the Father was unwilling to leave you in that condition, so Jesus did what the Father does. In other words, He responded to your condition he responded to your state before there was ever. This is why Jesus went to the cross willingly. Praise God. Now, Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5. Get this. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, these are the words of Jesus. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, if Jesus said that, he only did and said what he saw from the Father, what he observed from the Father. So if Jesus said, I will never leave you, or forsake you. Why did he say that? Because he looked back. Remember the Bible says he was in the beginning. The word was in the beginning. And he was with God. In the beginning. So he looked back. To the beginning. When the father said. That. Um, that Jesus. Would be the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. When, when the Father was unwilling to leave you in this condition, Jesus responded in the same way, and he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Praise God. Do you see the plan of God beginning to unfold? You know, Father God, even though Adam sinned, even though Adam ate of the fruit God had told him not to eat of, Yet, Father God did not abandon him in that condition. Praise God. Praise God. And he continued to love him. It was his love that put Jesus on the cross. It was his love for you is why Jesus went to the cross. Praise God. Now, how was God going to deal with your situation. How was he going to do that? You see, because there was a curse that came upon you because of Adam's sin. Every person that has ever been born on this planet has been born under the curse of Adam's sin. And so what God had to do is get the curse off of you and get it on someone who could appropriately deal with it, which was Jesus. Jesus was the only one that was qualified. You see, the curse came, the Bible says, up, upon all of us because all have sinned. You see, in other words, we were all born under sin, and what do sinners do? Sinners sin. Praise God. So, the curse 
was upon every single one of us, and God needed to get the curse off of you and get it on someone who could appropriately deal with it. And in order for someone to be able to appropriately deal with it, deal with your, the, your sin, with the curse that came upon you because of sin, see, the only way a person could appropriately deal with that was if it was a person who had no sin of their own. If Jesus had, if he would have had any sin, it's important the part where it says that, that he was in all points tempted like you and I are, yet without sin. That, that phrase there, yet without sin, is huge because if he had had his own sin, then he would have been dealing, he would have been paying for his own sin. The only way he could pay for your sin is that he was sinless. The only way he could be sinless is to be born of a virgin. See, why is it so important that we believe in the virgin birth? It is so important because if he was not born of a virgin, then he couldn't deal with your sins. If he had been born of the seed of a man, then he would have had his own sin that came with that seed to deal with. And so therefore, science teaches us that the seed is of the male. There is, according to science, there is no such thing as the seed of a woman. The seed is in the male. But... God says there is a seed of a woman. Now, what did he say? In, in uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he's talking to the woman. Uh, he's, he's talking to, uh, to the serpent and the woman there, and he, uh, the woman being Eve. And he said, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. So according to God's way of doing things, this, there was one seed of a woman. Every one of us, the rest of us, we were all born the first time. I'm talking about physical, natural birth. We were all born the first time, the seed of Adam. But there was one that came into this world that was the seed of the woman. So God, he says, I need to get the curse off of them and get it on someone who can deal with it. They're, the only way for that to happen is for someone to come into this world who is not the seed of Adam. And the, the way that he did that was by one, one time, there will never, ever, ever be another immaculate conception. It will never happen again. It happened one time. There was the seed of the woman. And because, uh, because Jesus was born as the seed of the woman, he did not inherit the sin nature from Adam. Therefore, he was able, you say, well, you know, why do we say, well, Jesus is the only way? You know, there, there have been a lot of other good men. There have been a lot of other uh, 
great prophets and great teachers and you know there there have been others who have worked miracles there have been you know and why why are we so insistent on saying that Jesus is the only way because Jesus is the only one that was ever born the seed of the woman he was therefore the only one that was born into this world that never had Adam's sin nature. Praise God. And so therefore, he was the only person that ever qualified to bear your sins and my sins. Praise God. Praise God. Now, God brought Jesus into the world. But remember this, how God always... How, how God does things. God speaks it. That, that's how God does things. That's why Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. They are alive words. They're living words. Praise God. And that is how God has always done things. And God, in fact, spoke Jesus into this world. You realize that. When he, you know, we could go back to the verse we read earlier in Genesis chapter 3, where God began to prophesy about the seed of the woman. He began to talk about it. He started saying it. Praise God. And then throughout time, you know, God said it over and over and over and over again. And God said every minute detail about what was going to happen when Jesus comes. And when he had, the Bible says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son into the world. What does it mean when the fullness of time had come? I, I believe God was saying, when I have said everything that needs to be said. You see, he, he didn't say, oh, um, I, I forgot about this part or I forgot about that part. No, everything that needed to be said had been said. And once it had all been said, then he sent his son into the world. And because Jesus was the, the, the one that God had been talking about all this time, this is why the Bible tells us that the scriptures, when, when Jesus was raised from the dead and he met his disciples on the road, he began to open their understanding and, and reveal himself to them from the scriptures. He is the one that Moses and all the prophets wrote about. And so the whole Bible from, as someone said, from Genesis to maps, from, uh, now you don't understand that if you've only read one of these, but if you've got a paper Bible, you know that in the back of the paper Bible, there are maps. And so what I'm saying is from Genesis all the way through the whole thing to the end, it's talking about Jesus. And you can see, and this is why I encourage people, when you read your Bible, read it to see Jesus. Praise God. You know, many people read their Bible, they read it to see what's wrong with me. Or... Some people read it to see what's wrong with you. And uh, 
but the proper way to read the Bible is to read it to see Jesus and what's right with him. Praise God. Praise God. And when you begin to see Jesus in the scriptures, God said everything that needed to be said about Jesus before he sent him into the world. And then when Jesus came into the world, he only did what the Father Praise God. Isaiah 6, verse 9 says, Former things, I am God. There is no other. There is none like me. He said, Remember all the things that I've said. Now, he didn't say things just by, 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 uh, by orating from his mouth, you know. He said things by events and by saying things. But he also showed us, let me just give you an example. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, the Bible says that they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. The Red Sea, red being a type of blood, and he brought them through the blood to deliverance on the other side. The Red Sea is a type of the new birth. And so by that event, he told about the new birth. He told how you would be born again by passing through by the blood of Jesus. You were born of the blood of Jesus. Praise God. And so, you know, over and over and over, we see in the scriptures, we see events that spoke of Jesus. Praise God. But all the way from Genesis through Revelation, it's all about Jesus. Praise God. So he says, remember the things of old. Remember those events because when you remember those events, you will be able to see Jesus in those events. Praise God. Remember the former things, the things of old. And then verse 10, he goes on and he says, Declaring the end from the beginning. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done. Saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, and a man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Listen to me. He says, listen to me, you stubborn-hearted who are far from righteousness. I bring my righteousness near. It shall not be far off. Notice what he said. I bring my righteousness near. It shall not be far off. That's Jesus right there, his righteousness. And then he says, my salvation shall not linger. And I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. So there he's, he's telling us, remember all of these things from ancient times, they all speak of Jesus. Praise God. And what he would do. 
Hallelujah. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse number 22. If a man has committed a sin deserving of death, and he is put to death, and you shall hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day, so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, for he who is hanged is accursed of God. The Apostle Paul quoted from this scripture in Galatians chapter 3 when he says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So how was God going to, remember we're talking about the plan now. How was God going to get the curse off of you and get it on Jesus? He had a plan. The plan was, Jesus, we will get him nailed to a tree, and by nailing him to the tree, it will cause the curse to come upon him. Now, if he nailed a, a person that was already under the curse on a tree, the curse is already on him. But he nailed Jesus, who had no sin of his own, who was not under the curse, he nailed him to the tree, and so the curse, he, he wasn't under a curse, so where's he going to get a curse to put on him? From you. He's going to take the curse that's on you and shift it over to him. Praise God. Praise God. So it would behoove you to find out what the curse is. Because when you find out what the curse is, you find out what came off of Jesus and went on him. Praise God. And begin to see it. As, as we were worshiping the Lord this morning, I, 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 I saw a mental image. Has anybody ever taken a, um, a magnet and set it down on a, um, on a table or something where there were some metal shavings? Uh, and, and notice that when you do that, all of those metal shavings just instantly just Go to the magnet. You know, we, we've seen it where you put it under, you, you put some metal shavings on a table and you stick a magnet up under the table and you move it around and you see the metal shavings following the magnet. And that's, that's what I pictured in my mind that Jesus was like the magnet that was, when he was nailed to the cross and lifted up on the cross, he became the magnet and all of our sins were drawn to him. This is why he said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all to me. And he was speaking, and I know the word the all men is, is, is in there in the way it probably reads in your Bible, but the word men is not in the original text of the Bible. And in the context in which it is written, he is talking about the prince of this world being judged. And he says, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all of that judgment to myself. He said, I'm drawing it to me so it won't have to be on you. Praise God. He drew the curse to himself. Praise God. 
Notice this. The, the Jews, if you were a Jew and you were worthy of death, you had done some crime that was worthy of death, how did the Jews execute people? By stoning. Now, the law by which a man was sentenced to death was written on what? Stone tablets. So you see the type of the stone there. Everything in the Scripture, there, there are no wasted details in the Scripture. I've been doing a series of posts, just one little truth that I've picked out at a time and posted on, on Facebook about um, the details that are in the Scripture about the stones. You see, the stone tablets was, the, was written the law by which a man was judged to death and then they used stones to execute him. Jesus could not be ex could not be sentenced based on the stones. He couldn't be convicted on the basis of the stones. And therefore, he could not be stoned to death. Now, in the, in the foreknowledge of God, he brought Jesus into the world at the perfect time in which there was a world power that ruled most of the known world at that time whose method of execution was nailing someone on a tree. Now, that was not an accident. It didn't just happen that way. That was in the foreknowledge of God that when the Roman Empire was governing the earth, the known world, God brought Jesus into the world under the Roman rule so that the Romans would put him to death. They couldn't convict him with stones. They had to convict him based on lies. And they sentenced him to death and since it was the Romans, the Jews couldn't stone him because he wasn't convicted by the stones. So the Jews, they turned him over to the Romans, and the Romans nailed him to a tree, which was their standard means of execution. And being nailed to the tree, he then attracted the curse that, that was upon you and I. Praise God. Praise God. Now, notice this. The stones couldn't condemn him, and the, therefore the stones couldn't be the means of execution. Jesus couldn't be convicted by what was written on the stones. Therefore, he could not be stoned to death. Now, here's what Acts chapter 2, verse number 23, uh, Peter standing up on the day of Pentecost is preaching this. And he says in verse 23, him being delivered, Jesus being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God and have you have taken by, notice what he says, lawless hands. Now he's saying there, lawless hands because this was not based on the law. 
This was not based on the stones. It was it was hands that were outside of the stone tablets that were that were not under of people that were not under the law of the stone tablets. He says, "You have crucified and you have put to death." Praise God. Taken by lawless hands. And you hung him on a tree, and therefore the curse came upon him. Praise God. So God's plan was working perfectly. Did you realize that 79 times in the Scripture, Jesus referred, now this is just in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In the four Gospels, 79 times, Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. But only a handful of times, only probably five or six times, does he refer to himself as the Son of God. Now, why did he refer to himself? Was he not the Son of God? Of course he was the Son of God. But for his purpose, he had to be the Son of Man. And so it was important that 79 times that Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. He reiterates over and over and over, I am the Son of Man. And the reason he did that was to put himself in a position to receive the curse that belonged to man. Praise God. That's why he emphasized that he was the Son of Man. Hallelujah. Get this. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 17, it says this. It says, Therefore, in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Now, notice here, notice what he said. He had to be made like his brethren. He had to be made like his brethren. In other words, he had to be the son of man. Praise God. Now, when, when he uses that term, had to be, that actually comes from one single Greek word, ophilo, which means this, it really has to do with accruing something. If you accrue something, then that means that you come, uh, to come to, into existence as a legal enforceable claim. He had to be made like his brethren. He had to be the son of man in order to legally acquire what belonged to the son of man. So this is why 79 times he says, I am the son of man, referred to himself in that way, so that legally... He attracts everything that belongs to a son of man. Praise God. And it was a legal 
enforceable claim. So Jesus went to the cross having been made like you. And I love the way that E.W. Kenyon puts it. He became you on the cross. And because he became you on the cross, he accrued everything that belonged to you. Now, why did he want everything that belonged to you? So he could give you everything that belonged to him. Praise God. Do you get that? I mean, take that and meditate on that. He took everything. He accrued. He laid legal claim to everything that belonged to me so that I could take, uh, lay legal claim to everything that belongs to him. Hallelujah. Oh, you think about that for a while. I'm, I'm telling you what, that will change. That, that will that'll change everything for you. He legally laid claim to everything that belonged to you. So you legally can lay claim to everything that belongs to him. Praise God. He had to be made like his brethren in order to lay claim to everything that belonged to his brethren. Praise God. Praise God. Now, how did he do it? How did he do it? Praise God. I'm going to read this passage of Scripture from Colossians chapter 2, and then we're going to read it backwards. And we're going to, and when we read it backwards, you know, I worked in a printing shop for, for several years, and one of the things that we learned about proofreading was you read backwards. And that way you, you know, Anybody ever read something and you, your eyes, your, your mind plays tricks on you? It sees things that aren't really there because you think you know what's coming next. And so if you know something's spelled a certain way and you look at a word that's misspelled, it's close, you see it the way it's supposed to be, that, that's just a, a, a mental thing with us. And so that's why we were taught you proofread backwards. And that way, you, your mind's not telling you what's coming next. So you're actually seeing what's on the page. And so um, we're going to read this scripture backwards so we don't miss some things. So we see some things that we might not otherwise see. Let's read it forwards first, and then we're going to read it backwards. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 7. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him who is the head of of all principality and power. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the, of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you 
being dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now, let's read it backwards from verse 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now, what does that mean? He disarmed principalities and powers. He took their arms away from them. What they were armed with, he took it. Now, here's what he says in verse 14. By, he's telling us, by disarming them, he wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. He took it out of the way, the handwriting of requirements that was against you and I, he took it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Why could he forgive you all of your trespasses? Because he took it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. Praise God. Verse number 12. Buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So he was nailed to the cross. You were baptized with him. And therefore, God could raise you with him from the dead. You became joined to him. You became one with him. And he raised him from the dead. And by doing that, he raised you from the dead. Praise God. Verse number 11. And in him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So in other words, you were circumcised in Christ. In a, now, why was circumcision a, a sign of the covenant? It was because that was the reproductive organ and therefore you are the offspring of Christ, the circum, uh, circumcision was a, was a type, and therefore that was to signify that the, uh, the blessing of Abraham was to pass down from generation to generation to generation. And the circumcision of Christ means that the blessing of Christ is to pass down to you who are in him, you who are the offspring of faith in Christ. Praise God. Verse number uh, 9. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And because of that, 
because of all the stuff we've just read, get this. He says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So if we don't see things through Christ, if anyone is preaching to you any other gospel other than the gospel of Christ, what is happening? You are being cheated out of your inheritance. You are being cheated out of what belongs to you. So he says, beware and don't let anyone cheat you out of what is yours as the offspring of Christ. Praise God. Verse 7, be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Praise God. Praise God. So when we read it backwards, we begin to see some things we can just scan over quickly when we're reading it forward. Praise God. But you begin to see that be rooted and grounded and, and, and built up in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Well, next Sunday, we're going to be talking about the victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I am so glad that you're here today. And let me just say this. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you see, today is the time. We talked about why Jesus was the only one that qualified. See, you, is your works, as good as they may be, were not enough. But Jesus was more than enough. And by putting your faith in him, you, you take full advantage of all of what he legally laid claim to that was the curse that was upon you. And it was nailed to the cross. It was buried with him, and he rose victoriously over death, hell, and the grave. He rose again without your sins. Praise God. And the only part that you have to play in this is that you believe it. Praise God. You believe it and acknowledge what you believe. Praise God. Praise God. So I want to ask you right now, if you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, He is the only way the only truth, and the only way to life. Praise God. Praise God. So I'd like to pray a prayer, and I'd like you to repeat after me. I want to ask everyone in this room and everyone who's watching online to repeat this after me. And according to God's Word, if you do this and, and you mean what you're saying, then you will be saved. Praise God. If you, if you truly believe what you're saying, you will be saved. So let's pray this together. Say, God in heaven, I believe that you sent your son Jesus who went to the cross for me 
who paid the price for all of my sin. He paid the penalty so I don't have to pay it. And then you raised him from the dead so I could have new life. Today I choose Jesus and I acknowledge my choice by calling him Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for paying for my sins. I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. From this moment forward, begin to teach me how to know you better. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer according to God's word, you are saved. Now, if you prayed that prayer, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching online, I've written a little book free of charge, and it's called I Choose Jesus. If you're watching online, you can get that book. It's, it's only electronically published right now. But uh, if, if you will go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, or to our Word of Life app, then you can uh, download that book free of charge just by checking, you know, I Choose Jesus. You can get that, and that book is designed to show you what happened to you and to help you to know where to go from here. Praise God. If you, have, if you prayed that prayer today, or if you've prayed it at some point in the past, no matter when you prayed that prayer, if you prayed that and you have received Jesus as your Savior, then God's Word says, Jesus' own words, is there is a promise of the Father. There's a gift that the Father has for you, in other words. He wants you to receive it. We refer to it as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Say, well, is that where we speak with tongues, where we have to speak with tongues? No, it's where you get to speak with tongues. Speaking with tongues is a blessing to your life. Praise God. Now, do you have to speak with tongues? Well, you know, why would you not want the benefit? Why would you not want the blessing? That, that's all I've got to say about that. You know. Is God going to be angry with you if you don't? No. Are you going to not receive if you don't? No. You speak with tongues as a result of receiving. You don't receive as a result of speaking with tongues. So, how do you receive this gift? Jesus said, everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. So, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. We're going to ask. When we get to the end of this prayer, we're going to say amen. It means so be it. When you say amen, then that's when you receive. And from way down on the inside of you, there will rise up a language that you haven't learned. All you do is speak out what you're hearing coming up on the inside of you. You just say it. That's speaking with tongues in, in, in its greatest simplicity right there. Praise God. So let's pray this prayer together. And if you will do what I'm saying, 
you will receive a powerful new prayer language by which you can worship God more effectively. You can pray beyond your intellect when you don't know what to pray like you ought to pray. That's Romans chapter 8. Praise God. So let's pray this together. Father, Jesus said that you have a gift for me. And he said if I would ask you for it, I would receive it. So I'm asking you for my gift, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I receive it now as your child. I receive now. Thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, here we go. Amen. Now begin to speak what's coming up on the inside of you. Praise God. Just begin to speak it out. And if you're speaking that, then according, that, that's what speaking with tongues is. It's just that easy. It's not this weird thing. But I encourage you, do that every day now. You now have access to that prayer language. Begin to use it every day. Praise God. Praise God. You'll be speaking divine mysteries. You'll be praying beyond your intellect. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love 